Uh, I always, this is one of my fondest memories of Wilson when uh, we were getting married and he'd talk about us. He'd be like, Patrick, he's a good man. Or, Patrick, he's a good man, but Katie's like a great woman. So, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> I, I reached for the stars. Um, but, before I say anything else, joyful greetings. I really miss being here with you guys. Like, I haven't preached here in forever. I've been you guys' updates. And I think Katie's right. It's kind of weird. Like, we come by and we always see the church change and transform. And it's a little sad for me because, like, there's a part of me that always wants Renew to be the same. But there's a part of me that also rejoices because you guys aren't the same. You guys are growing and learning and struggling and God's working. And if you guys were the same, I'd be really worried, right? Uh, but there's some things that will always be sweet and it'll, it'll always be renew. And I think that's something that I love, is to see Christ always here. So, when I was a child, I was short, nerdy, and fat. Nowadays, I'm just short and nerdy. <laughs> but I remember, um, I was 10 years old, and I'm walking down my old, uh, my old house's driveway. And we had this big tree in the front, and I was sitting underneath it, finding shade, and I was praying by myself. Not playing, but praying. I know, so holy. But I recall like, talking to God and praying this really honest prayer. It was perhaps the most honest and sincere prayer I've ever prayed in my entire childhood. And it, and it went like this. I was pleading to God, God, please, please, God, I'll give up all my toys. I'll listen to my mom. I'll never ask you for anything ever again. You guys ever pray a prayer like this before? Maybe? God, please, just please give me superpowers. <laughs> I know it sounds really funny and ridiculous, but this was a genuine prayer that I had. You see, I love superpowers. Growing up, I watched Spider-Man, not the one with Tom Holland or Andrew Garfield, but with Tobey Maguire. And after, yes, <laughs> thank you. And afterwards, like, I would go into my room and I would be like jumping off walls, shooting like web out of my wrist, and that just ended poorly. And you can imagine, um, and then on a, sorry, and on Saturdays, right, every Saturday morning, I would wake up early. I wouldn't wake up early for school, but I'd wake up early Saturday mornings, and it would be, da na 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 da na 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 Yes, thank you. I said that in my church in Colorado, and it was just, whoosh. So I feel known. But yeah, X-Men cartoon show, 90s cartoon show, one of the best ones. And I would just watch that and then it fantasize about what it'd be like to be able to read minds, shoot lasers out of my eyes, control metal, teleport anywhere. I, I love superpowers. And so, before we actually jump into God's word, right, I want us to talk about superpowers. Right? I, I know it's a little unusual for a Sunday morning, unless you're a nerd, but let's do this, right? And one thing I love is like, you guys still do the questions, right? Uh, I had to introduce that to my church back in Colorado again. Um, and I love that we do this because it makes church not just a place where we can come and be entertained and then leave, right? But it's a place where we can engage with another, talk to each other, actually get to know each other. 
So uh, here are the questions. Break up into groups of two to three, uh, and then discuss it for the next three to five minutes. And if you really want to challenge yourselves, I encourage you guys, stand up, move around, talk to someone that you've never met before. So here's the questions. They're super deep, I know. <laughs> Number one, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Number two, what would you be willing to sacrifice for that power? And number three, would your life be better if you had that superpower? And again, in all these questions, talk about the why or why not. No one word answers, that's shallow, but feel free to go as deep as you guys want. Okay, ready? Go. All right, let's bring it back, bring it back. If you guys didn't get to share, you can use this question while you're loitering. You can even ask other people. Um, but really quick, uh, what were some answers? What superpower would you guys want? Telekinesis, that's good. Captain Marvel's superpower. Being really powerful, but not in the movie. That's a good one. Anything else? Like size or amount? That's a good one. Anything else? Shape shifting. Very cool. You guys are so creative. <laughs> like, like bat. <laughs> he wants to be Batman. Okay, well, what would you guys be willing to sacrifice for your powers? Nothing? Your taste buds? Your, well, <laughs> I, heard, I heard their clothes. Did someone say clothes? <laughs> Student loans. I don't know if that's a sacrifice. I think you misunderstood the question. You can talk to me afterwards. I'm a teacher. Anyone else? Anything else they sacrifice? That's it. Student loans and their taste buds. Um, I've had friends say that uh, one guy, he, he would want the power to teleport, and you give all the money in his bank account, all the money he has right now, because he'll make it back being a super Uber. Uh, my brother-in-law, you guys know him, Justin, he would break bones in his body for the ability to multiply things so that he could have endless chicken nuggets. <laughs> I have another friend, he would lose all his teeth in order to learn anything instantly. I know. Uh, and then Mitchell, Lou, who's in CM right now, he said that he would give up 20 years of his life for super speed. <laughs> because he would like move faster and whatnot. Yeah, that's a lot. You may not even have 20 years. <laughs> Tomorrow's not promised. It's biblical. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> All right. Everyone, I, I, okay, everyone loves superpowers. Can we agree? Yes. Whether you're young or old, a nerd like me or not a nerd, we're amazed by superpowers. We're fascinated by stories with them. Over half of the top 10 highest grossing movies of 
all time worldwide are movies with superpowers. Facts. Even Avengers Endgame has beat Avatar as number one in box office. And I think it's because superpowers, it leaves us with this longing and yearning for something more, something more than the ordinary. It hits us in that part of our hearts that wants to do more and be more than just go to work, come home, eat, sleep, and play, to do more than just the ordinary. And so today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, Jesus, he comes into the lives of, this, of these ordinary fishermen. And he demonstrates his power, his superpowers, if you will. And he calls them to follow him. And in following him, he invites them to partake in his power and in his purpose. His power and purpose. That's the theme for today. So let's dive into it. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Turn with me there in your Bibles or smartphones. I don't, want to, I don't put any verses on the screen because I want you guys to see it for, my, for yourself, right? that I'm not making anything up. So here we go. Verses 1 to 3. You guys ready? All right. I'll take that as yes. Let's go. Verses 1 to 3. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put it out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So first things first, this passage, if you guys haven't realized, is about a group of fishers. And in case you guys don't know, my last name is Fisher. That automatically makes me an expert on this passage. That's why I'm preaching this. Next thing, when we read scripture, I, I don't want you guys just to hear it. Right? It's so easy just to hear what's going on and just wait for me to talk and explain it. But when we read scripture, I really challenge you guys to really see it. Like close your eyes and visualize what's happening. There's Jesus. And it's a sunny Galilee day, and Jesus is not alone. There's a crowd pressing in on him. Their eyes are fixated on him. He's teaching from a boat on the edge of a lake, and everyone is eager to hear him speak. They're pulled to him, drawn to him. They've been hearing about all the amazing, miraculous things done by Jesus, how he has this great authority, how he's been casting out demons, how he's healing the sick, how he's saying things that have never been said before. And it's absolutely amazing. He's doing superpower to acts. And in Jesus, he takes it to a whole other level. He really outdoes, he really outdoes himself. How? By catching a lot of fish. Verses 4 to 7. But when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when, he, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both, both the boats, so that they began to sink. 
All right. I know I'm not in Colorado no more, so I imagine this answer might be a little different, but out of curiosity, show of hands, represent. How many of you guys have ever fished? All right, good amount of you guys. How many of you guys have ever fished for a living? All right, it's okay, in Colorado, it was the same answer. See, I, I bring this up because we need to understand that there's a difference. There's a difference between the peaceful fishing in California and Colorado versus the grueling life depends on this fishing in Galilee. I think when we imagine fishing, we think it's this nice, peaceful pastime. But for the first disciples, it was difficult work. It wasn't sports or a weekend getaway. It was, it, it wasn't, it was their life's labor. Everything depended on them getting enough fish. And they weren't fishing with simple rod and hook. They were using these large nets. They required multiple men to use. And these nets had weights on them so they would sink. And so every day, they're throwing these heavy nets into the water, pulling the nets with their bare hands, filling their grimy boats with whatever fish they could catch over and over again, day after day, through all the seasons, year after year. And what Simon Peter says to Jesus is absolutely devastating. He says that they toiled all night. All night they were working, and they took nothing. No fish for the fishermen. And so imagine, right? Does this resonate with you? Imagine working so hard and coming up with nothing. The futility, the emptiness, the sweat and calloused hands, the back breaking, the hearts despaired, the mind exhausted and frustrated, trying so hard again and again, hoping for success but getting nothing. And so what do you feel? What can you do? You feel powerless, you feel worthless. Empty nets. How many times have you put in the effort with all of your power and all of your strength, and yet still you didn't get the results you wanted, and still you came up empty and dry, and still you were a failure? I felt this. Like, ever since I was a child, I've, I've felt something like this. I've had this desire to do something more, to be a part of something more. And so I would look at my life, and it would just feel like this one big empty net. I know, existential crisis as a 10-year-old. But that, that stuck with me. And I think that's the reason why I prayed so adamantly for superpowers. Because I wanted to do something more than just have an empty net of life. I didn't want to settle for the ordinary. And then in comes Jesus. Where strong men came up short for a whole night, Jesus flexes his power, and in mere minutes, what they couldn't accomplish, he does. They have nothing to show for, and it turns into a bountiful harvest. Big, full nets of fish that fill up two whole boats. And what's the response? Verses 8 to 11. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. 
And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So what's the response? This is Peter's response. In, Christ, in light of Christ's power, he feels his own insignificance. He's humbled by Jesus. His entire life's trade has just been outdone by one man. And his response to God's power, it's akin to Isaiah and John. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet, the one that speaks on God's behalf, right, with holy lips, he says to Jesus, I am, he says to God, I am a man of unclean lips. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, he sees Jesus again, and he falls down on his face as though dead. And so Peter, he's in awe of Christ. And this is a good response. It's humble and honest. And while everyone else is astonished by Christ's power, it's only Peter that says that he's unworthy because of his sins. And then Jesus responds and says, Peter, don't be afraid. I'm going to give you something better to live for. You see, what Je Jesus, he's demonstrating his power, and then he gives Peter and the rest of the fishermen, the rest of the fishermen, an offer they cannot refuse. Instead of laboring to catch fish, he gives them a new purpose, to catch men, to save souls with his power. And this calling that Christ extends to Peter and the fishermen, this calling extends to us. Because when Jesus calls us, he doesn't just call us, he doesn't just save us from our sins and save us from hell, he saves us into something amazing. He saves us into this grand, epic adventure. And I strongly believe that a lot of us were missing out on this adventure. We're less like Peter and the disciples and more like the crowd of people. Right, who are there, pressing in on Jesus, wanting to hear more, which is a good thing. And yet, it ends there. It's incomplete. When Jesus is done talking, the crowd disperses, but it's only Peter and the fishermen that stay. And perhaps that's why so many people find Christianity boring, because we make it one of those things we just do on Sundays. Francis Chan says this. He has this football analogy I know I've become so different, right, Colorado. But he has this football analogy, and um, how many of you guys like football? Yeah? All right. See, I asked that in Colorado, and every hand goes up. <laughs> Whenever the Denver Broncos are playing, like, the church service looks just like me and Katie and the pastor. <laughs> you think that's a joke, but I am being honest. <laughs> and so... Okay, for those of you that know football, right? What's, like, think about your favorite part in football, right? Is it the like, layups or the three-point shots? <laughs> I don't know. I, I still haven't watched football. No, no, maybe it's like a good tackle when someone just gets creamed and slammed. Or maybe it's like a beautiful long-distance throw. Maybe like the halftimes, halftime shows. I don't know. But you know what is not anyone's favorite part in football? No one ever says, the huddles, right? No one ever says their favorite part in football is the huddles. You know that part where they come together, the guys put their arms around each other, and they start talking? That's no one's favorite part. But imagine, right? It's California, a sunny day in California. We're at a LA Rams game, right? We still own the Rams. 
Okay. Okay, just checking. So we're at the LA Rams game. Wilson has kindly paid for us all to go as one big church outing. We got, like, front row seats. And they're facing against the Denver Broncos. And they start the game, and all the Rams come together. They're huddled up. They talk about the play and the coach, like what the coach said from the coach's playbook, and they assess what they're going to do. And then they say, break. But instead of going out into the field and running the play, they go back to the benches. And you think, okay, that's a little weird. And a couple minutes pass, and then the Rams get up, and they huddle again, and they talk about their next play and what they're going to do, and they go, break. And they go back to the benches. And they do that over and over again for the next three hours. How exciting would that be? <laughs> Best football game ever? No, right? That would be a horrible football game. That would be so boring. All of us would be demanding our money back. That would not be a good use of the church funds. <laughs> Why? Because a game of only huddles is not a real football game. But this, this is what Francis Chan says is what the Christian church in America looks like. We huddle together every weekend. The quarterback, the pastor, the preacher calls a play from the coach's playbook, the Bible. And everyone talks about what they're going to do out on the field. And we yell break, but no one does it. We just go back to our work and back to our schools, sitting on the bench and just waiting for the next huddle, the next church service, so we can hear the next play, but never run it. And how exciting is that? And again, this is why I think so many Christians are bored out of their minds, because what has Jesus done? He's demonstrated his phenomenal power. He's demonstrated superpowers, and then he calls them. He calls people to live it out, to partake in it, to join his mission in saving souls, and they reject Christ's call, content with just hearing about the mission instead of actually playing the game. They make Christianity a life of only huddles, and a Christian life of only huddles isn't real Christianity. And you know what makes matters worse? Is that people, they have, we have the audacity to blame Christ for why we're so bored. To call Christianity dull when we're not really experiencing it in its entirety. So the tough question you got to ask yourself, the tough question I got to ask myself is, are you bored? Are we bored? But what do we see the disciples do? Disciples, they left everything and followed him. Let that sink in. What did they leave to follow him? A few things? No. Some things? No. Most things? No. Not even that. They left everything to follow Christ. And before I go on, like, let me clarify in case I lose you guys. I'm not saying that in order to be a good Christian, you have to quit all your jobs and leave your friends and family to go overseas. But I can, can I be real with you guys? I f when I read this word, I, I feel like we ought to be people that are willing to live like that. To see, man, the sacrifice, Christ is worth it. Christ's calling is worth any sacrifice we can make. Because when I read the Bible, I realize following Jesus is hard. 
you're going to suffer like Christ suffered. There's going to be persecution from the rest of the world. You're going to experience spiritual warfare from Satan and his demons. Christ says you're going to carry a cross daily to follow him. Being lights in the darkness. This is hard stuff. This is harder than Galilee fishing. And yet, when the disciples saw what Christ could do and what Christ was calling them into, they wanted in. They wanted in. They wanted to be fishers of men for Christ, even at the cost of leaving everything. And Katie and I, like, we want to live like this, right? We want to be kingdom fishers. And we're, we're far too young to, like, say, we're there, we've made it, we, right? But it's an honest struggle, if I, if I could be honest with you guys. Like, it was already hard leaving you guys to go to Colorado, I think about how much harder it will be to be like not just one and a half hours away, but 16 hours away and overseas. But we hope, we hope we would never say no to God. Because to see souls be saved, it's worth the cost to impact eternal destinations. Is it worth it? Is the superpowers worth the sacrifice? Yes, it is. John Piper's dad, I think he says it best. He talks about this thing called holy thrill when he reflects on the first time he ever shared the gospel and people came to Christ. And so this is his account. He says, The thrill that came to me then is still with me many years later. I knew that Jesus had walked on water, but I felt as I left the building that night as though I was walking on air. Believe me, I was on cloud nine, and better still, I've never come down. What thrilled me most was the sudden realization that I had immeasurable power at my disposal, that the God of the heaven, the God of the Bible, the God of the universe was willing to speak through me in such a way as to touch other lives and transform them and change their destinies. I never dreamed such a thrill was possible for me. I had not known that such power was at my disposal. I said then, God, let me know this power for the rest of my life. Let me be so yielded to thee that I will never cease to know the thrill and joy of winning others to Christ. Believe me, the greatest thrill you'll ever have this side of heaven is the thrill of leading another precious soul to Christ. And so, I look back. I look back at childhood me praying that prayer so long ago, and I'm convinced, 100%, I'm convinced that God answered my prayer. They am not just a fisher, but I am a fisher of men, a partaker in his power and purpose, that I have superpowers. He answered my prayers. I don't need to shoot webs or stick to walls. I shoot words and questions that stick into the hearts of men. Time travel, I listen to a person's life story, enter into their past so that their future can be seen in a brighter light. Teleportation, I may not always go where I want, but I know God always brings me where I need to be. Super strength, 
invulnerability. My heart and my flesh may fail, but he is my strength and my portion forever. And the list goes on and on. But above all, I know that I have the good news of the gospel. That I can tell someone, you're imperfect, but you're loved by someone that is perfect. And that changes them. That can change them. Only the gospel can save people from eternal damnation and into everlasting life. And it's not just me that has this. It's not just me that has these superpowers. This is us. Brothers and sisters, what I've been praying for, what I've been so excited to tell you guys is, is that you guys would see that you guys have superpowers. He's been, he's been given to us by our God, by our creator, because he sacrificed his, himself on the cross. So any sacrifice we may make, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to his. And life is absolutely better when we have these superpowers, if we use them. Because he gave us these powers for a purpose. Being a Christian means being a fisher of people. And so what does that look like day to day? What does it look like to fish for people, to partake in the saving of souls? Right? It's not like going up to people and throwing large nets on top of them. I think about it like this on like four different levels, individually, communally, locally, globally. It's like the practical part of the sermon. And all of that, there's, this, there, there's the word intentionality. Because there's intentionality to fishing. Right? You just don't show up to a lake one day and expect fish to hop into your nets. You have to be prepared. You have to be ready. You have to go with a purpose in mind. And it's something so simple. Like individually, it's as simple as talking to your friend or your family member or your coworker or the person that cuts your hair or your barista. It's just talking to them. It's more than just a church invite. If anything, don't, don't even invite them to church. Be the church to them, right? And listen to a person's life story. Care for them. Share your own. Display Christ's power in your life. Ask them how they're doing and actually mean it. Then you continue to build that relationship. And don't have this pressure that every single conversation you have has to be a come-to-Jesus moment. But be ready for it. Be ready for it. Be open to it. Get ready. Because there's a reason why you're in that person's life and not me and not Wilson and not John Piper or Francis Chan. God is sovereign in where he places you. And there's a reason why you are where you are. Communally. I think one of the greatest apologetics is when Christians demonstrate God's real love through the love of one another. But that can't happen if, number one, we aren't loving one another. If we're indulging in gossip or cliques, drunkenness, drama, and so on. And number two, if there's no space for that to be witnessed. And so I think communally we do that by creating spaces Again, over a church invite, but it's working together, bringing people in and caring for each other as a group. It takes multiple people to pull the nets. Locally, this looks different from person to person. Right? For me, it's my students, but I also like, I like wrestling, and so I joined an adult wrestling club, which sounds kind of weird. 
But from there, like, I'm meeting people that I would have never met, right? People from the LGBT community, people that are young and old, and one guy was, used to do WWE, and he likes throwing me around and spinning me. <laughs> and so we'll grab drinks and food and just talk, and they know that, like, in the same way, they know that Katie's pregnant and I love her. They know that I am a strong believer and I love God, right? And they don't like church folk, and yet they like me, I think. But also, like, recently, me and Katie, we got involved with, like, an international student ministry. And what I love is we actually, the team that we work with is a bunch of, like, 80-year-olds. They're all grandparents. Like, you know when we meet up and we talk, we share about our work and stuff like that. When they meet up, they talk about their grandkids, and it's different. But I love, I love seeing these people because they're retired now. And instead of, cho- and instead of like, coasting, instead of wasting their retirements... They're spending their time being involved locally, inviting like foreigners that are lost and like don't have like don't have any friends or family around and just caring for them. Like I love that. Even though it's hard to deal with them, right? Because they don't know how to email. <laughs> and globally. My wife kind of talked about this already, and I love that, but I think there's, just to remind you guys, or in case you came, came late, I think there's a common misconception that global missions is for a select few. But if we just look at scripture, we'll see that it's actually for all of us. We're all called to make disciples of the nations. And it can take the form as something as simple as caring for cultures and people that have no churches, taking the time to learn about what God is doing outside of California and the United States, and praying for them, and believing in the power of prayer. It could be supporting missionaries, or thinking creatively, and it could also be, maybe, even going yourself, whether short-term or even long-term. These are just a few examples, but ultimately, what they all have in common is intentionality. It's doing exactly what the disciples did. Because what did they do? All they did was just listen to Jesus. They positioned themselves where God wanted them to be, and in faith, they cast their nets, and Christ took care of the rest. It was Jesus that puts the fish in the nets, not the disciples. And so I hope this, right, this would be the play that we run as we go out into the field and we live out our exciting, superpowered Christian lives. Let's pray. God, I pray whether we are young or old, um, whether we're in a good season of life, we're in a bad season of life, that we would know your power intimately because we know you. We know your love and we know what you can do. We've seen it, we've tasted it for ourselves and we cannot keep it in. It's burning inside of us and we've always had this longing to do something to impact the world, to do something that matters And I pray that whatever fears or resignations or barriers that are keeping us from living out the life you're calling us to live, 
Help us to confess it. Help us to tell our brothers and sisters to keep us accountable and help us to live it out. Because you loved us and you saved us. I'm excited, um, Lord, next time I come by to see how much you've been working and how, how many people have been tasting the holy thrill of catching people for you and saving souls. I thank you so much because I know all of this isn't us. It's you. It's in your sweet, sweet Jesus' name we pray. Amen.